At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to The Makers of Minnesota, and we are on episode number 89, and we are with Julie Meyer from Julie Meyer's Handbags. Hi, Julie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. I first ran across your handbags. I want to say, were you at like Urban, or not Urban Junket, because that's another handbag company. At the Urban Junket, Tracy Dyer had an event. I wasn't at that, but I do do um, some of the brewery shows. I do a lot of the shows around town. Yeah, so. that's where I think I ran into you at uh, at your bags at an event, and I remembered liking them right away. I'm kind of a leather person. I Great. like leather, and I like the way it smells and the way it feels. Me and too. <laughs> yeah, I thought your bags were really beautifully done. I think what stood out to me when I first saw them was just the detail with which it looks like they're hard to make. Are they hard to make? <laughs> they're actually not. I've you know, um the material makes it look like it's difficult, but I've streamlined my process. Um I've got a really good system. Um they're not it's I mean, I guess when you first got it when I first got into it it was yeah. kind of difficult, but um no, I'm glad they looked yeah, yeah, they do. I my goal is to make them really functional, streamline um, not a lot of detail. Let the material show through. Um, and, the, and the material is actually very durable. Like, so let's like just get to brass tacks here one second. <laughs> Why on earth? Like you're in your regular life and you're like, you know what? I want to design handbags. I want to be in the most competitive market in the world. <laughs> and I'm a maker. Like, do you, yeah. why did you pick handbags? And was, was that the market that you were just gravitated to right away? Um, no, I mean, I, uh, I could never afford like a really expensive leather bag. Yeah. And so I, you know, started out sewing curtains and things like that around the house. And then about 10 years ago, um, when I was sitting on the couch with a newborn with my laptop, somebody yep. sent me a link to Etsy and spent a few days wasting lots of time on there. And I'm like, hey, I make things, you know, I can yeah. probably sell. So um, I started out making lunch bags and cleaning gloves out of oil cloth. And that Which was is like the kind of cloth that has like a shine on it. Or yep. a sheen. Yeah, so, they okay. used it in the 50s and 60s for tablecloths yep. and things like that. So um, I spent a few years. That was like the heyday of Etsy. I was just sewing nonstop. I had big piles that I was taking to the post office, shipping all over the place. And uh, that was good for a few years. And then um, Etsy started to slow down a little bit. And Do you think because more people were on it? Um, more people and they opened up the venue to, um, they kind of redefined the handmade 
Because um, originally it was just people literally making crafts hey, with their hands. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rob Kalin, the original founder, was still on when I started. And then when he sold out and they brought in investors, mm-hmm. yeah, then it, it switched. And so then I decided I needed to switch out what I was making, look for something a little more higher price um, to fill in. Um, the orders and I feel like your best month making the oil cloth zip totes let's just call them yeah um lunch bags they were lunch, lunch bags. bags yeah how much how many how much did you think you did um your best month. my best month probably <laughs> well you know um maybe five thousand after great. all yeah yeah yep. that's great but that was a while ago and uh so yeah i Wanted to get into purses, and so I did um, canvas and upholstery and vintage fabrics for a few years. How did you probably. think to do that? Just you went from the oil cloth, like yeah, that's a the, the vintagey, and yeah. the, the kitschy was kind of in and um, at the height then, and um, and I was out not not only the oil cloth, I was buying like vintage tablecloths and yeah. making lunch bags out of those, and yeah. those were fun. So then I. It was a lot of fun to go out and source those materials at estate sales and things like that. Sure. So I would find vintage upholstery and make bags and stuff. But I always knew I wanted to get into leather, but I had to hone my skills and acquire the tools and get the right machine. How and do you hone your skills as a just, sewer? Like, is it just you sew and you've you just keep going? And- yeah. Yep. You amass a pile and then. Yeah, there was a while a few years ago where I'm like, oh, I've got all this stuff and like you know, what the heck? And I had seen a uh, movie on the Eames designer. Yes. And he was... It the just, designer it, of leather chairs. Yeah. And, and yeah, furniture. So he had a whole warehouse of um, things that he had amassed just by honing his skills and making things. And, you know, he was... It bothered him to have all that until he realized, you know, there's no way to get to this perfect chair without, you know... 800 chairs behind it to get you there. So that's always been my goal is to just get to the most perfect bag. So in making a leather bag and you also are using like cowhide Mm -hmm. and fur. When I say cowhide, it's obviously that's leather. It's the hair on cowhide. Yep. Some people call it pony hide. Um, The hair on the cow. (laughs) Um, Did you have to change, like, you're not still able to use, like, your home sewing machine, are you? No, I have an industrial machine. Okay. Yep. So it's got some power to get through the layers. how did you learn to sew? Did you take, like, home ec in seventh grade like the rest (laughs) of us and make a hamburger pillow? Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of people, I grew up around sewers. All the women in my family sewed. Really? Yeah. um, I remember. I had an aunt who had a room dedicated to her sewing, and I thought that was just amazing that you would yes. do that. So, my mom sewed, my grandma sewed. She so actually you came sewed from for a long family yeah, of yep, yeah, the history of sewing. Yeah. So, um, were you making before you started making things because you had a baby at home? Were you making like your own clothes, or you know, I did try clothes a little bit. I'm not too much into apparel. I remember I made a couple of outfits, and I would wear them, and I'd spend the whole day worrying that they were just gonna come apart <laughs> that is so funny yes. <laughs> i never thought about that but yeah that's funny. yeah so i there, there's a lot of yeah apparel i mean i admire people that sew apparel but yeah, that's not me <laughs> so you have all this vintage stuff and now you're like okay i want to make a leather bag do you you have to go out and buy the leather and i mm-hmm. imagine it's pretty expensive it is yeah it's an investment i buy full hides um do you know the like tannery places you know where you i get actually, them i'm Totally talking out of my oh. butt here, but 
No, um, I get most of my leather at like Tandy Leather. They're local, okay, independent stores um, where I can go in and touch and feel the leather, and yeah. And so you buy? Um, is it like by the square foot or the skin? Yeah, it's no it's a whole hide. So when you okay. bring it home, you can. Does kind it of, like? Can you see the legs? And you can you can see where they were. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the first one I bought, I kept in my studio for a couple of weeks, and just like it took me a long time to cut into the first one. I bet because yeah. it would if you like cut it wrong just, or you made a mistake, yeah. and yet you have to make mistakes to. Yep. Exactly. Was your first bag like? Do you laugh at it now? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I at shows I get people that I still see like bags from eight years ago that people are still carrying, and I'm just like ah, but they love them. So yeah, yeah. And um, so you have round shapes, you have square shapes, you have totes. Like, do you? So are you thinking seasonally when you're putting these bags together or are you just sewing what you like or like, how are you establishing trends? Kind of both. Um, and the canteen bags, my new round bags that has been in my head for a couple of years. And I finally, that's my latest design this past January started prototyping that one. And little did I know that that's a trend coming up. So, all right. Yeah. So you're on trend. Yes. Yeah. But a lot of them, um, actually, I sell so much online. I still sell quite a bit online. So a lot of them are designed to package and ship out in this day and age of free shipping. I need to, yeah. That's really so, interesting. So you changed your model to, because everybody does expect free shipping. Yeah. And of course, Probably to ship a bag to someone's about less than 20 bucks, but yeah. still 20 bucks. Yeah. Or if you ship internationally, it's quite a bit. Yeah. So you're thinking about how that packaging works in terms of a shipping model. Exactly. Really interesting. Yeah. And so are there sizes you won't do because you just don't think you oh, can ship right? No, no. I mean, I'll do anything. But uh, yeah, I pretty much have in the past year have spent this year kind of narrowing down because when you are a maker sometimes you just will wander too much and you'll have too many things and you know your customer will just get confused and they won't know what to buy so I've been narrowing it down to five or six different things that I make trying to streamline it is Um, Etsy still a part of the business it is not like it used to but so I'm on Etsy my personal website and I just started on Amazon handmade I was going to ask you about that so Amazon handmade it's funny because Etsy Amazon bought Etsy right yes and now they're trying to go back to creating a handmade type of version again um they yeah so they have a whole segment um I just did the American Craft Council show a week and a half ago yep, and Amazon handmade was there so they're really trying to ramp it up and it's kind of a beast to figure out it's not as easy as Etsy has been but yeah I'm excited to see where it goes someone told me that managing Amazon um oh it was oh it was uh, Brabridge that I just podcasted with I don't I just posted today um couple so you'll hear it in a couple of weeks. But um, she was saying it's almost like a full-time job managing it, like all the details of them. It is. Uh, yeah. It took me about a month before I could get my first couple of listings up because there's so much to learn. And I feel like I only know just a small percentage of it. But, yeah. Because the customer is different on Amazon. You know, they want their stuff next day and, you know, Reviews returns can important. happen. Yep. All that. Yeah. You, is there someone in your sphere or in the maker sphere that like they're an Amazon specialist that knows how to do all of this that you could hire? Well, that would be nice. I know. I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. that's a job for someone. Well, actually, my husband, he has been selling online. He sells cameras. Um, oh, so he's been. Cool. Yeah. Um, so he has um, he's gradually trying to take over the Amazon 
point part for me, yep. learning all the ins and outs. So, yeah. Does he sell like vintage cameras? He does. Yeah, he works for cool. National Camera Exchange. So, oh, he does. Yeah. I so love he's National been, Camera yep. Exchange. Shout yeah. out for the local John Liss. Yes. Oh, yeah. Really cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Been yeah. doing it for a long time. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Um, all right. So you are selling online. You're selling on Etsy. You are. Do you still go to shows? That, yeah, that's also a major part. So I do about 12 to 15 shows a year. I'm trying to ramp that up a little more. And I do the, the juried shows. You're going to be so. at Stone Arch Festival, yep. I saw on your I website. I will. Yeah. I'll be at the Edina Art Fair before that. Next, this coming Saturday, I'll be at the Walker. Can I just pick at it for a second, like mm-hmm. a show? Like, obviously, Walker, That's is that their jewelry and their Mother's Day show? It is, the, yep. Yeah. Jewelry accessories. That's a good show. show. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you're going to be at, like, Stone Arch. Mm-hmm. I don't think people have a sense of what that all entails, like setting up your booth <laughs> and having a booth and merchandising yes. your booth. It's and having, more work than people think. Yeah. You need a good tent. You need a lot of weights. You need to prepare for the elements. Um, have you ever found yourself not prepared with stuff blowing all over? Oh, and- my very first show I did was the Raspberry Festival um, eight or nine years ago. And I set up with a little card table and I had like a little beach umbrella (laughs) got all set up and had my stuff all laid out you know handwritten signs and somebody came up and said they wanted to buy something and I was blown away I'm like oh my gosh you really (laughs) and then uh, a big storm came and so I like tore it all down I think I was set up for about an hour and then you have all leather stuff so yeah well no this was back in the oil cloth days but yeah but now it's it's quite a bit it's yeah my husband's good at helping me schlep around to the shows but is he like do you go with your kids and i mean it's a family affair for lots of people because you can't just leave your kids at home yeah well i can now but yeah yeah. (laughs) they yeah they usually will show up at some of the bigger shows and check them out yeah they're you're in a super competitive industry just fashion in general and um are there like other people that you admire that you try to emulate in that space? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I guess um, people like Larissa Loden. Yeah, yeah she's done a great job. Yeah, I like seeing where she's going. Um, I liked having her on the show too. She was really yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's see, Sarah Stray. She's another bag maker. Yeah, she's got a lot going on too. Um, there's so many, yeah. Do you, how do you, do you like read fashion magazines? Do you watch TV? Like, how do you get your inspiration of just what's on trend no. these days? Yeah, I'm more into the crafting part of it, I guess. And I am just starting to like pay attention more to the fashion side. It's for me, it's more of like what I want to create and more of the hands on. That's really interesting. Yeah. You so know. you're not creating what you think is going to be the next bestseller. You're creating what you like and what you think. Exactly. Yeah. And that really gives you your, I think, gives your bags a point of view that's kind of uniquely your own. Yeah, that's what I'm always looking for is the point of view. Narrow it down so people recognize it as one of my bags. And Is there, like, so let's just say, and this happened to me actually, like the iPhone changed size. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> like, I had all these bags that my iPhone fit into, and now I have this gigantic iPhone that fits in nothing. 
Do you ever think about like the practical things like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when I at shows, people are always telling me, oh, you know, I would like a bag that has this or that or the strap like this. So I always think about all those things. I always make sure there's an outside pocket for the cell phone. People love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you're thinking about marketing, like you're in a visual medium, mm-hmm. you need to have like cool looking models. You need to have a cool looking yes. lifestyle Instagram. Do you do all that or do you hire that out? No, it's all me. Yeah, all me. So. And is that like fun or does it feel exhausting sometimes? It is both. Yeah, it is. Um, like Sunday, I spent all day Sunday sewing, but I'm like, oh, I should be Instagramming this. So it really slows you down shooting some videos or, you know, do you, yeah, there's um, your husband is a camera person. So does he have a good video set up for you? He's got the equipment. Yeah. That's well, I nice. use my phone for the videos, but we do have, yeah, pretty nice. All the lights and things like that. Do you feel like you have to like curate everything or will you like if Will you make a video on your phone and if the lighting's not great, post it anyway, just kind of the rustic <laughs> maker experience? Well, sometimes, yeah. Or filter it as much as I can, I guess. Yep. But yeah, I do kind of like that rustic look. Are there um, apps or filters that you use for your phones or your videos that you recommend or things you would say to other makers like, hey, try this? Um. Well, I'll run things through Photoshop. I'll take pictures okay. of my phone and then mm-hmm. send it back to my computer and shoot it back and forth. So that's time con- consuming. Um, I just actually installed one of those slow-mo, fast-mo video apps. I can't remember the name of it now, but that's been a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, there's become a movement locally for these like maker shops like RAS and there's another one I think coming to Rosedale, Ronnie and Loon, maybe it's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Does that appeal to you to be in a maker collective like it that? It does. Yeah. I know I had gotten requests in the past few years, but I wasn't at a point where I could do that. But yeah, I'm entertaining yeah. those now. And I think people make a lot of community there, which mm-hmm. seems to um, be helpful. Uh, what do you do for fun? Um, like when you're not working, do you? I like you a, to see live music. Really? Yeah. What do you like? Around, um, Where do you like to go? Oh, you know, First Avenue is my cozy spot. Yes, yes. it is a cozy <laughs> About spot. About third, fourth row in. That's, yeah, I like that. You like to be right up in the oh, front. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have to like sit in the balcony. Just, and then if the show's going to go later than 1130, I'm like surly <laughs> about it. Yeah. Like, really? Come on. No. Or if. Like Margot Price, I think I got there at like seven o'clock. And oh, that was the big storm. It was right. A, I, yeah. yeah, it was a big storm, and it was yeah. a great show. Yeah, but at like you know ten thirty, she had just started. I was like, oh, yeah. I've been here for hours now. <laughs> oh Let's no, get moving. my motto is someone has to be in the third row center. It must be me. <laughs> really, I love yeah. that about you. Oh, yeah. How do you get to the third row? Do you budge? Just um, excuse me, excuse me, excuse. Yeah, me. yeah. you just do that. <laughs> or you know, we'll get there in time too. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I. I don't like to budge too much. I, yeah, I don't have a problem standing. My husband, on the other hand, uh, yeah, but he's he's game for it. Yeah, yeah. on certain shows, I bet. Yeah. Um, what's next? Like, what are you working on next? Do you well, have- um, my summer show is a show schedule is just underway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will keep me busy. I'm just starting to get into wholesale. I've got a lot of wholesale requests. So oh. I'm hoping to spend midsummer working on that. And so what does that look like? Someone like the Be Below calls you just as an example and says, Hey, I'd like to carry some of your bags. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Then you just work out, you know, your minimums and what their, How what many, your terms are. Is that hard for you as a maker? Cause are they wanting like 
to start with 20 bags and then how long does it take? Like how much inventory yeah. do you carry and how long does it take you to make a bag? Um, that's a good question. So I did time myself. I mean, usually I, I don't just do a bag from start to finish in mm-hmm. one day. I'll spend like a whole day. Um, some of the leathers I hand stain, so I might spend a whole day staining and then another day cutting. Um, but if I would do a bag from start to finish, I, one day I did three bags from wow. start to finish, cutting and yep. sewing just to see, cause people ask me that all the time. So, so a wholesale account, how much inventory do they usually want? Um, well, they usually ask you what your terms are. So I'll yeah. do a minimum of, you know, like 12 wallets or six crossbody bags. Yeah. yeah. And then do you have to deliver it and then they don't give you the money until they sell it? Is that how that works? Um, well, is wholesale it like is, it's a little different than consignment. Wholesale, they buy it all right. It's their inventory um, and consignment. Yeah. you de- Well, both of them, if it's local, I'll deliver but yeah, you deliver them, keep track of your inventory if, if it's they buy consignment. It, if they buy it outright do and they decide that they had it for six months and they only sold two, can they have the option to give you the four back? Um, I haven't had that, but with consignment, that's kind of how yeah. that works. And mm-hmm. most shops will do, a lot of shops are consignment. But the wholesale ones, I want those where they buy it, you and send it, and you're yeah. done. Yeah. And consignment, like, I understand why people would do that because maybe that'll get their products seen more than not. Oh, but- yeah. From a maker standpoint, like, don't you just want to be like selling it yes. and done with it and yep. on to the next thing? That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you take a vacation or can you take a vacation? Um, you know, the traveling shows are a vacation. When I do shows up, you know, up in the um like Bayfield, yeah. things like that. Um That's kind of your vacation. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, that is a true entrepreneur. Yeah. All but... right. Because I'm just wondering, like, is it hard to turn it off? It is, you know, especially I my home studio. It's out of my home, sure. So, yeah, that's my goal is to grow it enough where I can move it out of my home, and because you can never be a hundred percent. I think when it's in your house, yeah, you know, there's laundry or the door, yeah, there's that, or, the or you can't just turn off the business and do all that. It's you always feel like you're not at a hundred percent doing both of them. So you feel like you're always behind. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, and I I do have a, a kind of a semi part time day job too. So, yeah, I work for a couple of chiropractors, which gives me really great hours. I've got a couple of days off during the week and short days. So that helps. Would your goal be to do this full time if you could? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And do you have a sense of like, okay, I just need to, this is how many bags I sold last year. This is how many I'm going to sell this year. And when I get to this level, then I can do it full time. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like, um, so I've been doing the leather for about three years now. And so I've hone my skills on that. And I've, like I said, this past year, funneled down my design options to just a few. And so I'm trying to position myself to, yeah, do more wholesale and do just, you know, where I'm not sleeping at night and I'm just sewing just to grow it that way. Yeah. And do you still love it? I do. Sometimes when you start something, it feels like a job, but you seem like you're pretty passionate about it. I am. It's what, yeah. It's what I like to do. This is your thing. It is. Yeah, absolutely. So you're looking yeah. forward to finding the moment where you can go full time. Uh, yep. I feel yeah. like it's getting closer. Yeah, yeah. it sure seems like yeah. it. Um, can we, we're going to post this uh, podcast on the 22nd of May and sounds like people should look in their June issue. Oh, yes. Their favorite magazine. Yes. St. Paul. Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, they found me at the American Craft Council like a week and a half ago. And Ellie was there. Yes. Yeah. Took some pictures there and then um, emailed me last week and asked to pick up a few and 
Um, yeah. So do you know the way that they'll use it or how they'll feature it, or do you just give them the stuff? And yeah, then... so they asked for my round um, canteen bags, is what I Which call are them. your new line. Yeah, and yeah. they said they're doing a, um issue on the round purse trend. So Okay, yeah. so you're right on trend. I, um, I love it. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for being here today. Yes, thank it you. It was super lovely to talk to you. Good luck. It's Julie Meyer, and you can find her handbags at Julie Meyer Handbags, M-E-Y-E-R, handbags.com. Yep. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing and a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. In the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.